Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What's going on, everybody? This is Kyrie Thompson bringing you yet another episode of First in Foxborough, Thursday edition of week three of the NFL season. Patriots going to be facing off against the Baltimore Ravens at home, first home game of the season. And I have been down to Gillette Stadium giving you the sights and sounds of a couple different things. Basically only got to see about five minutes of the Patriots practicing today, just enough to see them stretch in, kind of take a little bit of attendance, and then they kicked us right out, but for a good reason that I'll get to in here in a little bit. But first, <laughs> let's let's give you some updates on football. I mean, it's probably the last thing you're thinking about right now if you're a Boston sports fan because Ime Udoka is potentially fumbling a major bag all around, really. I mean... Good gracious. Like you're talking about potentially getting suspended for a year or or perhaps worse. I mean, maybe they're talking about a mutual parting right now between him and the Boston Celtics because of improper work relations, you know, intimate, improper, consensual relationships with female st- with a female staffer or staffers. Again, no corroborated reports on on whom exactly it is, so feel free to stop speculating about it because you don't know who it is. Though, if you listen to Mark Spears, player personnel staffer Allison Feaster, not involved, okay? So stop sharing her picture on social media, not cool, okay? Just let's wait and find out what more information is. So, okay, done with that. Let's let's talk about football. Just feel like you had to talk about that because in, if you're in Boston sports, it kind of is just... It's what everybody's talking about. We're in the Patriots media room and we're talking about it. Now, okay, back to the Patriots. Not a whole lot to report from practice today. Once again, we didn't get we got to see less of practice today than we did yesterday. It was raining. That might have been part of it as well. Uh, we did get to see, I mean, in, in terms of attendance, Raquan McMillan was the only person on the 53-man roster, I believe, that we did not see stretching during that limited amount of time uh i've heard i heard some people say that he might have been up on the rehab field doing some running you could see a couple of guys doing running up there but couldn't confirm whether or not that was raekwon mcmillan we'll see what his status is obviously did not play last week jacoby myers and kyle duggar they missed practice yesterday they were on the field doing some stretching before, though that was the case yesterday and neither one practiced. Jacoby Myers, I mean, yeah, he was there in the stretching lines with the wide receivers, but he was moving kind of slow and and looking a little ginger out there. So I don't know. I would guess that he's probably not practicing today 
though if I had to guess, he's probably one of the few guys that he could potentially not practice two days and then be limited tomorrow and still play. Like if he feels good enough, he's going to suit up because he's that's just who he is, right? He's a tough guy. He battles through a bunch of stuff. I could still see him playing, but I mean, again, he was taking it pretty easy. Kyle Duggar, I don't know. It looked like he was moving more or less the way he normally does, but if he doesn't practice today, that's going to call that's going to create some doubt about his status for Sunday. They could really use him. So that's about all there was from the actual practice part of things. Now to the fun part. We got a chance, we the media that were there, it was a little bit of a smaller contingent this week because of the weather, we got a chance to witness Vince Wilferk's red jacket fitting for the Patriots Hall of Fame. He's officially going to be inducted into the Patriots Hall of Fame this Saturday afternoon, so before the game on Sunday. And it was just a really cool moment uh, to see him come in and, and kind of relish the moment and get fitted for the jacket, which he was very affable, you know, kind of joking like, hey, you know, I like the fit. It's really good. You know, obviously he's he's a you know big dude, um, though he's noticeably trimmed down from when he was playing. I, I wouldn't hazard a guess as to what his weight is right now, but it's definitely not that you know, a 350 or whatever it looked like he was playing at when he was a nose tackle during his heyday. He's definitely trimmed down a little bit. And he told a funny story about the fact that I think it was uh, ESPN's Mike Reese joked about, oh yeah, Bill Belichick might mistake you for a linebacker at this point. And and uh, Wilferk said, hey, guess what? I saw him last year. Uh, he went down there for week 18 in Miami and he visited the team um, visited Bill Belichick in, in the hotel room that they were down at in Miami. And apparently Belichick, upon seeing him, was just like, what the, you know, what, just what? And just couldn't believe what Vince Wilfork looks like now. And he's just like, you look great. Like, you look like you could still play. And Wilfork's just like, man, I'm just trying to talk to you. Like, I was just trying to say hi. Like, not really expecting all this conversation about his, his you know, weight, you know, the way he looks and all that. But he did say, don't ask me if I can play again. I'm done. I am retired. I'm, he used to be one of those people who like, oh, yeah, I got a snap in me. I could, I could play a little bit if you need me to. He's like, nope, I'm done with that. No more football for me. It's just, it's just like a fun time. And I actually got to stand right behind him when he uh, got, to, got to press the button by his display and, and see the video tribute. It was fun just seeing the reaction in real time. His interception, he's like, hey, yeah, that was nice. And, and he's talking about one of his other interceptions where he had a stiff arm. He's like, yeah, you see that? And just like being able to stand right there next to him and catch his emotions. But I mean, really just my takeaway from watching that was that he's just the quintessential New England Patriot. He just talked constantly about, look, I'm a team guy. Like it was never just about me. It was about the team and how he could make himself as useful as possible as a member of the Patriots. The way that he tried to show that he could play as many different positions as possible. He wasn't just going to be a nose. He was going to be a defensive tackle. He could be a three technique. He could bump outside if they needed to. Anything they needed from him, he was going to do. Talked about the fact that Bill Belichick was... Part of the reason he was able to do that because Belichick kept an open mind and allowed him to explore those things and, and allowed him to test the different ways that he could be useful to the team. And just it, it was a cool moment and it was it was a great setup up there. I'd never been 
to the uh, you know kind of the, the the Hall of Fame shop right on the second floor where the Patriots Hall of Fame actually is. And you go up there and you see the stuff on the walls, and you can hear video and audio tributes that are happening all, all the time, kind of in the background. And then you go and you see the wall of retired Patriots numbers that are up there. Really neat stuff. The 21 balls from the 21 straight wins that the Patriots had back in 2003 and 2004. Really just just cool setup, cool stuff. Really interesting to uh, be a part of that. It was really neat. Now, before I hop off, I want to highlight something that I think I, I want to write about a little bit before we preview the Patriots-Ravens game, which I got a chance to do in podcast form with the awesome folks over at the Winning Drive podcast, the Baltimore Ravens, also on Odyssey, with Rita Hubbard and Cordell Woodland. Great conversation. Loved it. I think you all are going to really enjoy it too. But I also wanted to talk about something Mac Jones said on Wednesday after practice when he was talking about RPOs. This has been a, a constant thing that we've been discussing. I've talked about it here on the podcast. When are you going to see more, more RPOs? And he was asked about whether or not he's advocating for running more RPOs and if that you know could be a bigger part of the Patriots offense. And he said, hey, definitely. And he went into detail talking about, hey, like when I when we ran this a lot at Alabama, when I was running things against the defense and we ran RPOs, it would drive Nick Saban insane because it's such a hard thing to read. Because again, think about what this play entails. It's essentially a run play with pass concepts. And, it, and it's as, it, as the Patriots ran it this past Sunday against the Steelers, they ran it five times, which is more than they ever ran it in a game last year that I can think of. You might not have noticed it, though, because most of them were handoffs. So they just looked like straight runs, right? Just straight downhill runs up the middle that Mac Jones gave and they got yards out of. But when you pan out, you can see the fact that the wide receivers are running routes, not just going downfield and stock blocking. They are, they are running actual routes on these run plays. And so I thought it was interesting that they are starting to apparently incorporate that a little bit more when they teased it during training camp and in preseason, the fact that they were going to maybe add a little bit more of this. They only tried one of the pass. They only, they only tried to pass one time out of an RPO on uh, last Sunday against the Steelers and it didn't work out. It was almost picked off actually. But the fact that they did it at all, again, it just gives defenses things to think about. In particular, when Bill Belichick is talking about, hey, look, with play action, we haven't necessarily been running it as much as we would because they're doing a lot of blitzes and man defense and, and such. Well, you don't necessarily run RPOs a lot against man coverage because, I mean, you can, you can do it. You can run man-beating routes off of RPOs if you want. And teams have been starting to do that more recently. But in particular, when you're talking about blitzes, especially like zone blitzes, that is an interesting concept because in, in preseason, when they ran that a couple of times against the Carolina Panthers, I want to say, and they ran RPOs, they, it worked out perfectly because the guy that you're reading, well, it's academic. He's blitzing. Oh, cool. I'll throw it then. And if he stays outside, then you hand it off. So it, it kind of provides this nice little mixture of, okay, it's not quite a true seven-step drop play action. Like, I'm not asking the offensive line to protect me for four seconds or something while I let a downfield play open up. This is a quick-hitting, 
get it out of your hands or hand it, hand it off or either throw it, one of the two, but decide quickly. And that plays really well into Mac Jones' skill set. And I just thought it was interesting that Mac was saying like, yeah, I am kind of lobbying for this. Though he did say like, look, it's great to have that in the playbook, but you've got to be able to do other stuff. And that's the thing. You don't want RPOs to become the basis of the Patriots offense. And I don't believe they would ever really consider doing that. But it's great as a tool to keep teams off balance, especially when you are able to decide, hey, I'm going to throw a little bit and create some extra yards. And actually, I think there were there were two RPO throws, right? Because the one got almost got picked off to Johnny Smith, but then the other one was a throw down to Nelson Aguilar where he picked up a couple of yards. So, and, and again, that's it. Get a couple of yards out of a play. It doesn't have to be crazy. It's basically an extension of the run game. Easy completion, get a couple yards, give defenses something to think about. I'll be interested to see if the Patriots incorporate that a little bit more against the Ravens. Then again, just about everything the Patriots do against the Ravens should work because the Ravens defense has been bad. So, hey, maybe a good time to test out a couple new concepts. That's all I got for today. I'm Kyrie Thompson with First and Foxborough. I should be back out there again on Friday for practice to give you a little update on how things are unfolding. And then we'll be on to Sunday, week three, Patriots at home against the Ravens. Till next time.